0: It, we'll have it up here on the Sky Bible for you, so you can uh, follow along with that. But uh, we're jumping back into our series. We're almost done with our series of Finding Freedom. There's this message, and then two more messages that uh, follow, and then we'll be finishing up our series on uh, Finding Freedom that's based on the scripture in John chapter 8, verse 36. Therefore... If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen to that, right? Hey, this is what the, uh, um, well, it's the Amplified Classic translation says. I like this version too. It says, so if the Son liberates you or makes you a free man, then you are really and unquestionably free. Like there's no question about it. You are absolutely free free, right? So we've been kind of just looking at this and trying to understand that being, being free is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved to someone or to something, okay? And in this context, it means that we are set free from the, the devil's schemes we are set free from his, his demons his, and even sin in our life. We can be set free from that because what Christ has done in our life. But the opposite of freedom is to be in bondage. And we've been talking a lot about the fact that, that there are things that we have allowed the enemy to come into our life with that has brought some, some kind of bondage into our life, whether we have known it or not. And so we've been kind of like just taking a spotlight and trying to show, hey, take a look at this. If this is something that's in your life, then that could be something where the enemy has, has developed a bondage in your life where you're not able to get beyond or get past so that you can continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It's, and so we, we, we recognize that, you know, what we open doors sometimes, okay? We, we put ourselves in positions where we open ourselves to these doors, giving these demonic influences, these, these demonic spirits, the opportunity or an open invitation to come in and begin to influence us. And not that they own us, right? We established that. They do not own us. Only Jesus owns us, right? Because of the blood of Jesus. But because we've opened our door and we've allowed these opportunities to come in, they begin to influence us to where there are certain areas of our life that we're just not hitting the mark that Jesus wants us to hit the mark in. He wants to live this life to the full. But see when we are allowing these 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 um these bondages that the enemy has in us will never reach the full potential that God wants us to be. So that's why we're trying to look at all of this today. So we're going to look again at Luke four and Matthew 18, because we have to understand that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. Okay. Each one of us are engaged in an all out war with the enemy. And in this battle, the enemy will come and he will use our wounds Right, he will use our wounds to um, begin to to uh, um, bring about strongholds in our life. Okay, now we're not talking about like we've talked about in the past, where we've talked about certain things, you know, the fear of man, or we're not talking about you know lust of the flesh or things like that. No, we're talking about wounds, and I think every single one of us have encountered wounds in our life one way or another. I mean, if not, you're kind of not human, right? Because wounds are things that the enemy will use to attack you. He will come into your life and he, because this is a fight, right? And he's looking for every single opportunity because he has only one goal in mind. And that is to defeat you, to make sure that you never live up to the full potential that God has for your life. And in each one of our lives, God has such an extreme amount of potential in you. Right? He sees it more than what we see it. But see, what happens is we've got to begin to to renew our mind, to be transformed so that we begin to see the potential that God has for us. But what the enemy does is he looks for these doors. He looks for these opportunities. And one of those opportunities is the fact that, you know what? When we get wounded, he sees an opportunity to come in and begin to put us in bondage to that wound. to that that thing that that we're kind of holding on to. But see, the great news is, right? Jesus can heal every wound, right? He can heal every single thing in our soul. But see, we have to be willing to jump in and say, okay, Jesus, let me give it to you. Let me release that to you. And so the title of our message today is Broken Hearts, and wounded emotions, broken hearts and wounded emotions. Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in the house today. Download for us what it is in our own lives that where we've been wounded, where we have been bruised, where we have allowed the enemy to come in and let us today walk in victory over it in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Luke chapter four. We're going to read verses 16 through 21. It says, so he came to Nazareth, this is, this is Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And when he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now this is Jesus talking. Okay? It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover, and the recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, can you just imagine? They had heard that prophecy before. And now all of a sudden here, Jesus is, he's releasing this prophecy. He's declaring who he is. Man, he, that's why all eyes were on him. Like, how's he going to finish this? How, what was he going to say? So verse 21, he says this. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your Hearing, right? So he's saying, I'm him. I'm the one that Isaiah prophesied about. I am the Messiah. I am here. And I am willing and able to heal, to bring salvation. Well, here, here, we're, we're going to go through we're going to look at the five. There's five things in this, right? That are foundational ministries of Jesus, but this is what he's trying to tell them. I'm ready to un- unleash this. And really all we're going to do is really look at one of them today, but I, I feel it's very important that we get all five of them. Okay. So here, here, here's the very first one, because Jesus is ready to do all five of these in your life today, wherever you're at. Okay. The first one is salvation. Okay. That's where he says in verse 18, to preach the gospel to the poor. And in verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So salvation, he's saying, is available right now. You can be accepted by the Lord and the Lord can accept you because your sin will be appeased because of who Christ is. The second one was the Holy Spirit baptism. In verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we know, like in Luke, I think three, where the Holy Spirit descended upon him when he was baptized, when he was water baptized. And then he says, because he has anointed me. Every person needs to be anointed of the Holy Spirit. Everybody needs to have this encounter with the Holy Spirit. Not just the fact that Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, but there's a whole nother level that the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you in, in your relationship with, with Jesus and with God right? And so that's kind of that whole Acts chapter 2 thing. So man, if that's something you're interested in, just kind of check out Acts chapter 2. And if you ever want to talk about that, man, please let me know. I would love to talk to you about it. The third thing is healing, right? Remember, these are foundational things that are in Jesus's life that he's declaring, he's speaking and saying, hey, they are available to each one of us now. The third one is healing, right? Verse 18 says, recovery of sight to the blind, if we read scripture, we know Jesus healed people and he's still in the business of healing people today. Praise God. Okay. Number four, spiritual deliverance. Verse 18. Again, it says to proclaim liberty to the captive. So he sets people free. Okay. Now here's the one we want to focus on. Number five, the fifth one is emotional healing. Verse 18, to heal the brokenhearted. And set set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, the King James Version translates it as bruised. Oppressed instead is, is bruised. And so today, we only have two points today. This is a major miracle of God, right? You're like, wow, only two points. I can't believe it. Okay, but here we go. It's about broken hearts and bruises. The first one is Jesus heals broken hearts. Okay, Jesus heals broken hearts. Now in the Greek, broken hearted is two words put together. The first word is, is suntribo, uh, means to break in pieces, okay, to shatter. So it's a picture of someone taking a jar, that's a glass jar, and shattering it to the ground. And it's just broken into all kinds of pieces, never to be kind of like um, unrecoverable. It's, it's destroyed. You, you can't like take some, you know, gorilla glue, right? And just kind of try to piece it all together. If you did, I don't know if it would work or not, but it's just completely and totally shattered. And then the second word is heart, which is, um, you know, basically where we get the Greek word cardia, which is um, cardiac for the Greek. And um, it's talking about our heart. But, But see, Jesus was trying to let us know, okay? Now, you have to understand, he's telling them right in the moment. But see, when we read scripture, we have to approach it as though he's telling us right in the moment, right? Like Jesus is sitting right there with you, right? And so he's letting everyone know that he is anointed by the Holy Spirit to heal every broken heart that has been broken in pieces or has been shattered. See, each one of you kind of know or or, or know the state of your heart today. You know those things where maybe you have been brokenhearted. Maybe there are areas in your life that your heart has been shattered. And you've said, well, you know what? I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to mess with it. It's just there. I get it. But see, that's not what Jesus wants for you and I. Because Jesus is always about you. Right? He's always wanting you to get to the next level of relationship with him. And so he's wanting us to say, hey, don't sweep those things under the rug. Right? But let's, let's pull the rug back a little bit. Okay? Let's pull it back. Because, you know, like I said, I think all of us at one time or another have had a broken heart. In, in some ways. Right? But some forms of, of, of a broke, brokenness, right? Still has the opportunity in the natural to be healed, okay? Still need to put together. Like if you don't break the jar and it's all these shattered pieces all over the place. Like one thing I can't stand is like breaking a glass or a plate at home on the kitchen floor, right? Because it just shatters all over the place. You think you got everything, Right? But then, you know, the next day you're walking and all of a sudden you're like, ow, ow, you know, and whatever. And you're pulling out glass or is that I'm the only one that's ever happened to. Okay. I got one in the backpack there. Okay. But it's one of those things that just kind of like, yeah, I can't stand that. But the thing is, is Jesus said, you know what? Sometimes there are times when, you know what? Things are fixable. Right? I, just an example. Um, and some of you know this, some of you don't. But at one point or another, me and Heather were engaged to two different people at the same time. Okay, and at that time, uh, the girl that I was engaged to, um, she ended up breaking it off with me, and my heart was broken, even though, I'm going I'm to tell the truth, even though I knew I wasn't supposed to marry her. Praise God, she broke up with me, though, right? But I, I knew God was dealing with me and saying, hey, this is not the one. I do not want you going this direction, but I was just stubborn, and I was like, no, 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 this is, this is what's going to happen, right? So my heart was broken, but see, God came along and brought Heather into my life and healed that brokenheartedness, right? So I, I believe there are times where, you know, there's, there's the an ability in the natural to heal that broken heart, but it was by the help of, of, of the Lord, right? And so we have to understand that, that there, there are times when things are not fixable at all right they're not fixable but jesus can fix them jesus 100% can fix them he is the only one who can put every piece back together okay you know like have you ever done a puzzle before and you're looking and sometimes you know you lose a puzzle piece underneath the table or you lost one somewhere and it's like you know you're one piece away from finishing it and you're like ah you know but see, Jesus doesn't need the puzzle pieces. He can mend it and, and shape it and heal it and, and put it. He's got all the pieces already. That's better, probably a better way to put it. He's got it all ready to go, okay? But he came to set us free from these wounds. Now, what happens is, is these wounds sometimes create strongholds into our, in our life. They create these strongholds. And, and if you remember right, okay, A stronghold is a well-defended lie that we believe. But we're willing to die on the hill for this lie. It's not God's truth. A stronghold is not God's truth, right? But it's a well-defended lie. Um, Some uh, theologians, you know, talk about how it's kind of like a fortress. That we build this fortress around in our heart. And there's certain areas of our life that we are just... Not willing to say um, that's not God, but I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to I'm going to keep it going on in my life. And one such stronghold that comes with a broken heart is um, the stronghold of rejection. The stronghold of rejection. When a heart is broken and shattered, right over say lost relationships or friendships or, or some kind of past wound or, or um, some kind of um, uh, physical or mental um, abuse or um, the loss of someone close to us, um, rejection can set in in some way. And really, we are acceptable to rejection as human beings. And, and let, me, let me give you kind of an idea or a thought. Now, this is an actual theological um, uh, thought to chew on. That we, you and I, are actually born rejected. We're, and we're born rejected of God. Okay? Now, you might say, what? Wait a minute. But here's the reason why. We are born with a sin nature. Is that true? Yes. We are born with a sin nature. And a holy God cannot have relationship with us. Okay? Unless the blood of Jesus, praise God, covers our sins, and reconciles us back to God, right? Back into right relationship with God. Then we are, what? Accepted. His love has never changed, right? He loves every single person. But see, there's something about this acceptance. Now I can stand before a holy God because of the blood of Jesus and by me accepting him. And so we have to understand that, you know what? We have... An ability, because we live in this world, to experience rejection. It's just the way it is, that's what happens. And really much of what happens to us when we're younger, when we're growing up, fosters this stronghold of rejection in our our life. Now, let me me give you a few scriptures just to, to kind of build, set something up here. Okay, Numbers chapter 14 verse 34 says this. Okay, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land. This is God talking to the Israelites. He said, 40 days for each day you shall bear your guilt one year. Naming four, namely 40 years and you shall know my rejection. So here God's being straight up with them. Okay, he tells them that you're, you're going to know my rejection because they rejected him. They rejected him. Isn't that true? That's why they had to walk around for 40 years in the desert because they had rejected him. But let's see what happens in um, uh, a little bit down the road here um, for Israel. It says in Hosea chapter 8, verse 3, said, Israel has rejected the good. And then what does it say? The enemy will pursue him. Okay. Now we're talking about strongholds. Right? how the enemy is getting strongholds into our life. And if you read what I just kind of walked you through, just, just real briefly, right? When we reject him or reject his way, when we walk in disobedience, we, as I've said before, open a door to the enemy to come in and begin to influence our life. And so... In this, in this um, rejection, we've noticed that there are, or I've talked about the fact that there are seven strongholds in our life when it comes to rejection. Seven emotional strongholds that keep people in bondage, okay? And they all stem back to this, the, the root of rejection. So here's, here's the first one, okay? Now, I want you to, I'm going to say the seven, and I want you to listen, and then I want you just to think. I want the Holy Spirit. I'll just say this right now, Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us if we if we identify with one of those strongholds in our life. Now remember, we're we're, we're doing this because Jesus wants to deliver us from these strongholds. He wants us to be free from them. So when I when I kind of read through them, I want you to be able to to focus and, and really open up your heart, open up your ears, and say, Is that me? Do I fall into that category? Because if you do, then good news is, like I said, Jesus came to set you free. Amen? Yeah. So the very first one is um, the stronghold of of anger. The stronghold of anger. Right? Where people, I'll give you kind of descriptions a little bit. But people who have outbursts of anger, who many times can't control that anger, right? Actually kind of have this spirit of rejection. Now me, sometimes that pops up into my life, just to be honest with you. Okay. Sometimes that pops up in my life and it's not that I am being rejected by anybody, but it's just something inside me that triggers I'm being rejected, right? It can happen at home. It can happen at work. It can happen. Even I've told you my stories about driving in the car and all that stuff, right? It just comes on me where all of a sudden I am in this, this rage or this anger. Um, and I think I told you this story one time a long time ago when we first got married. We were talking about finances and everything. And I got so flustered and so mad that I threw the laundry basket against the, um, the wall in our house. And I put this big old hole in our wall. Now, to me, that's pretty, you got to be pretty angry to throw a laundry basket full of clothes and to actually put a hole in the drywall. Not that I was buff, because I'm about the same as I was before, right? Not that I had a whole lot of muscles. But, but, but that's the thing. There, there are certain times, at least in my life, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just opening myself up because, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's good to know that, hey, you know what? Your pastor is just real. He, he, he kind of works through these things too. I'm not the angelic guy who's, you know, just spinning around with a halo on my head all the time. But there are things that sometimes pop up when I, when I, when I was studying this. I looked at it and said, man, that that sometimes pops up in my life. There's an area that maybe I need some healing in of of kind of feeling through this whole kind of rejection. And it's not, again, like I said, not that somebody's rejecting me, but the enemy uses it to amplify that rejection. Have you ever thought of it that way? Where it's like, man, they're not really like rejecting me but the enemy is like, oh, see, they're totally rejecting you. They're totally like, man, they don't even believe in you. See, they don't even trust you. They don't even, d- I don't know if you've ever gone through those thoughts. But I'm, like I said, I'm opening myself up today. Right? A great, great example of that in the scripture is King Saul. Where, you know, King Saul at one point, you know, he, in, in I think 1 Samuel 15, he, he rejected God doing what God wanted him to do. If you remember And so then, you know, Samuel shows up and says, hey, God's taking the kingdom away from you and um, you're you're no longer going to be king. But the the problem was, is that Saul rejected God first by disobeying, okay? Which then began to open up this door. And then in 1 Samuel, as we kind of progress, we we can read a story. I'm not going to get into it because of time, but you can read the story where Saul now was um, basically, he had um, this uncontrollable rage, this uncontrollable anger. And the Bible describes it that this, this spirit, this distressing or evil spirit would come upon him. And he would sit there and one day that, that spirit came. And so David came and he played his instrument. I don't know what, what the, the thing is that he played. Um, I'm, I'm thinking electric guitar probably right, but no electricity, but you know what I mean, right? But he played and he was trying to soothe Saul. And all of a sudden, because of this anger, this frustration, Saul picks up his spear and throws it at David trying to kill him. Like he's totally out of his mind because of the the rage and the anger and the things that were going on. But scripture even said that the spirit would come upon him. Now, looking at it, Because he rejected God first, again, I think God had to take some of his divine protection off of his life and say, well, you opened a door. And so then that, that, that spirit would come in. And so you, you just see people that, that have this um, anger issue, these things like that, it might be because there's a spirit of rejection on their life that causes it, it to well up in them to become angry. Second one, the second stronghold is insecurity. Those are people who constantly need attention, right? Need to be noticed or recognized or right. They often feel like they're not good enough. They're, they're, they're um, not good enough at anything. Uh, and here's another, I, I would say one that I'm, i I battle with at times is that, that stronghold of insecurity, Because there are things that the enemy over the years of my life has developed this stronghold in my... I'm getting so much better though. Those walls are being knocked down. But the the enemy had had developed these strongholds of insecurity in my life. Almost to the point where I'll get to the third stronghold, which is pride. But I was prideful in my insecurity. What? (laughs) Right? Because I would hide in the insecurity. And so, uh, well, you know, it, it just, it was a crazy thing. But see, I'm so thankful that the Lord has been opening my eyes to, for me to be able to see, hey, you know what? You don't have to walk that way. You're, Scott, you're never going to reach the full potential I want you to reach if you continue to allow these strongholds to be in your life. And that's just what he's saying to all of us, right? He's saying, saying that to all of us because he, like I said, he sees so much. He has so much potential. For you, and he wants so much more. But see, what sometimes what happens is is that we we, we constrain or we we hold back the, the, these things that God wants to do. Third one is pride. People who betray, uh, betray themselves as having it all together. Okay, uh, prideful people talk a lot and have to give their own opinion about everything. Okay, uh, the fourth stronghold: independence. Those are people who say, I can make it on my own. I don't need anyone, right? They're kind of hard to develop a relationship with, right? They won't listen to wise counsel because they're going to do whatever it is they want to do, okay? Now, hear me when I say this. Independence is not a bad thing, okay? As long as it's not controlled or influenced by the spirit of rejection, Right? Because we, we need to be independent. We need to make decisions. We need to move forward. We need to do things for the kingdom of God. But see, when we're influenced by the spirit of rejection, then you know what? That, that begins to kind of muddy the water, kind of gets things all kinds of, of confused, and, and really makes you sidetracked from the purpose and the plan that God has for you. The fifth one, stronghold, is those easily offended. People who take comments very personally. Okay? Okay. Where you feel like you're always, you know, having to watch what you say. You can't joke with them. They get easily offended. You know, you're kind of walking on eggshells with them. Uh, but see, people that like that, that easily get offended. Um, a lot of times it's not about what you said. It's about what someone else has said before them. Before you, right? And so it's something that has festered in them. Something that the enemy has grabbed a hold of. And because they've never been able to let it go, then it just becomes something that is creating this stronghold, this bondage in their life. Because he just takes full advantage of it. The enemy does. Okay. The sixth one is excessive shyness or loneliness. Now I'm not talking about personality trait. Okay. But what I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about an excessive, like total fear of people. When you have people who are just, I, I, I won't even go out of my house because I'm afraid of people, things like that. that that's a stronghold because you know what? If, if we want to just look at it biblically, God said, you know what? You're supposed to do life in community. You're supposed to have other believers around you so that you're growing together and, 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 and living this relationship out. But see, if we have this, this excessive shyness and loneliness, then you know what? We, we tend to retreat. We tend to hide. We tend to try to pull back instead of actually moving forward in relationships with others. Uh, And then the last one is the stronghold of control and manipulation. Okay. These are people who have to control and manipulate people in order to control um, their responses. Okay. In order to control them and their responses so that people won't reject them. Right? We just think, well, man, oh, that's just how they are. They're just, they're just kind of, you know, um, very control-oriented and manipulative. But really, if you take a look back in their life, I bet you there was a time when somebody took advantage of them or, or said something to them or hurt them, right, or have been rejected in the past. So for them, they need to control others in order so that they won't be rejected in the future. But see, the, these are strongholds. And maybe you even know people. That you could say, oh yeah, man, they, 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 that's them. I, yeah, I, I know who that person is, right? Well, now you have at least an understanding of what's behind what's going on in them, which they might not have any clue. They might not realize that, you know what, they've opened themselves up for the enemy to, to come in. So sometimes it's not about what you said. It's about what someone else said before that causes this uh, rejection to happen. But here's the good news, okay? Jesus, again, Jesus wants to heal you. But let me give you a scripture that I feel is kind of good news because, you know what, not one of us is rejected if we're in this relationship with Jesus, okay? Not one of us is. Now, let me give it to you. If Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. It's in the Passion Translation, okay? But it says this. It says, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us. To me, that means he, he, his plan was to accept us no matter where we're at, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how jacked up we are. Okay. His plan was always to accept us as his delightful children through our union with Christ, right? So it has to be through Jesus in order for us to be accepted in such a way that we become his delightful children. Says the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he he has for the beloved Jesus he has for us. So we're accepted, not rejected. And his unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. So he's got a plan for each and every one of our lives. He's got it. But see, it comes down to us submitting to his plan, submitting to his heart, being able to walk this out daily and saying, okay, Lord, I, I'm yours. I, 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 you know what? Yeah, maybe I got a stronghold in here, but man, I'm going to surrender it to you. I'm going to, I thank you that you're going to begin to bring healing to my life. But, but we have to understand that, you know what? Jesus is all about healing broken hearts. Second one is Jesus heals bruises. Jesus heals bruises. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Again, King James says, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, I had to look up bruise, right? A bruise as defined by Webster's Dictionary is an injury involving the rupture of small blood vessels and discoloration without a break in the um, overlying skin. So it's kind of like inward bleeding, right? In the Greek, the word bruise means crushed inwardly, okay? So when I look at that and I look at a bruise, that means that, you know what? Maybe it's not so much on the outside um, that that sometimes it's visible, but man, it's something deep going on on the inside of us that sometimes we think, well, we're hiding it very well. And we're not, not wanting anybody to really see it. But like, you know, bruises though, tend to have it their way and, and kind of come out and be able to show themselves. And so I'm sure all of us in some way or another have, have encountered bruises in our life, right? Maybe it's a loss of a marriage. Maybe it's some sort of mental abuse or physical abuse. Uh, you know, maybe it's a loss of a family member. But this is real stuff because it crushes you on the inside, It's not so much an outside thing, but it's crushing you on the inside. But again, I want want to point to the scripture where it says, he is here to set at liberty. So Jesus wants to free people who have been bruised inwardly. Right? And, And let me say this. And those are marks that have never been healed. Okay, you, you might not have discoloration on your skin. But you know what? In your soul, you have discoloration. You have bruising that's very, very deep. Where you know what? Only, really, in some ways, only Jesus knows about them. But still, sometimes they, they, they come out in, in a way that, that you would look at and say, well, no, that's not really, ah, oh, man, why do I act that way? Why do I do those things? Okay? But see the enemy wants to, to take that bruising, right? And he wants to put you in a position to create another stronghold in your life, right? And, the, and one of the most prominent one is the unfor- unforgiveness in your heart. That's a stronghold. When you cannot forgive people. That's actually a stronghold. Now, in Matthew eight eighteen. 18... Let's look at what Peter, Peter asked Jesus, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? To which Jesus replied 70 times seven. But I think in that, in that context, Peter was trying to get, you know, hey, look, look, can I just one time, right? That's about it, right? I don't think he got the answer he wanted when he said 70 times seven, because, well, you know, that's 490 times. I mean, you have a person in your life that you have to forgive 490 times, like, no, Probably not unless married couples are looking at each other right now, okay? But but Jesus kind of carries carries it through, right? He tells this story about how a certain man owed some money. Now, in today's currency, it was a lot of money. If you look it up, there's a bunch of different people that have different opinions. It could mean millions of dollars. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. The guy who owed the most money. Okay? But he goes to his master and he begs and he pleads with his master to forgive him of this debt. And so then the master forgives him. Right? And this story kind of represents salvation. Because we really don't deserve to be forgiven. Because we have a sinful nature. We have, a sin, we have sinful flesh. We do things. Yet, Jesus always says, you know what? I will forgive you. That's why First John is so cool. I love that scripture, that if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. What's great too is that is in context with believers. So when we sin, we need to go to him and he'll forgive us, right? But, but it kind of represents that. So go with me in this story because now Jesus is talking about a believer, right? If we, if we put it into that context, Okay. So then the believer went out to find the guy who owed him some money, which was a very low amount. I read all the way from like $44 to maybe like $11,000. I mean, it was all over the map. Okay. But he owed less than what the believer at the time owed. Okay. So the guy couldn't pay him. So what does he do? He throws him in jail until he could pay what was due. And then Jesus said this. He says, what do you think the master is going to do about this? Okay. Matthew 18, 32 to 34. He said, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you. Now you remember the master's talking, or if you would say, God's talking to a believer, right? He said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. Okay. One version actually says tormentors. Until he should pay all that was due to him. So then Jesus finishes the story and he adds this very important part to it in verse 35. Okay. This is for us to hear. He says, so my father, so my heavenly father will also do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother, but other believers, right? His trespasses. I mean, just think about that. This is the importance of of the weightiness of of not walking in a stronghold of unforgiveness. Right? That's the weightiness of it. But see, sometimes we just read and think, oh yeah, yeah, I forgive people. But man, deep down inside, there are still issues inside of our heart. That sometimes grab a hold and go, man, yeah, I just have never, ever forgiven that person, really. I say it, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, well, I can talk to him. Oh, hey, what's up? How are you? Oh, great. But inside, man, my heart's just dark towards them and not really, like, care, you know. But see, that's the weightiness of what Jesus is trying to bring, bring about. He said, if we don't forgive others, then we are opening a door for the enemy to come in. And develop a stronghold in our life. Develop a bondage in our life. So much so that the heavenly father, as we've talked about in the past, so much so that, you know, his, again, his protection kind of has to be lifted and which allows then the enemy to come in. Remember, we talked about Job. And about how Job had kind of had his own his own thing going there, and and, it, and we went through the scripture about how you know God had to kind of basically release his protection, and the enemy swooped in. Or even in Ahab when Ahab thought he was like more than all that in a bag of chips, right? And God heard that and said, "Okay, well then you know what? Let's let the enemy's going to come in, and we'll see what happens with that." So here here we kind of get this picture. Where God's kind of saying the same thing. You know what? If we do not walk in forgiveness, then there is an open door. There is a stronghold that the enemy can come in and build a bondage in your life. To where your life now becomes one kind of a misery. I mean, I've talked to people who have not forgiven people. And really their life is just misery. They just, they, they can't, you know, can't get beyond it. They're, they're bearing no free. They're just kind of like living in this hatred. And really, you know, they, they've kind of become like what you would call like a spiritual vagabond. Because there's really no connection that they're having with the Lord because they've got this unforgiveness in their life and they can't seem to move past it. All because the enemy was allowed to come in when they opened the door. Okay? It wasn't God opening the door. It's the fact that when we don't forgive, we open the door to the, for the enemy to come in and build these strongholds in our life. Okay? Now, again, like you might think, well, why would God, God do all that? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we have this kind of example where Paul talks to the Corinthians and he's telling them about a man who is living in sin. Okay? And this is what he says. He says, deliver, verse 5, deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So to understand the why, why God would do this, then you know we have to again look back at the Old Testament in a sense. And when Israel would re- reject God, then God's protection kind of came off of them and they were turned over to the enemy. And so the whole point is is the fact that you know what? God wants them because he did this with the, with the Israelites. To come back and say, man, Lord, I repent. I don't want to live this way. I want to live righteous. I want to live in, in community with you. I want to live holy with you. I want to stand in your presence. No longer being, you know, held by this bondage of unforgiveness in my life. I want to experience God's best. And so, if, but if we're not willing to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, then you know what? then his hands are tied because he wants the best for you. Right? So here's the deal. You can't be delivered until you repent. Right? Because God's the judge. You're not the judge. And so what we should be doing is is asking the Lord, Lord, if I have any unforgiveness in my heart, then take it away. Help me to, to, to see that person as you see them. Because you remember, God sees each and every person as special, right? He loves them. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you can't resist the devil until you submit to God. It's important to know that, right? But here's the problem most people flip the sentences, right? They think they can resist the devil first and then at some point, get to get around to submitting to God. They just flip it. They think, well, man, you know, no, I'm going to resist the devil. Devil, you can't be here. You can't be there. You can't be there. But then the devil looks at you and goes, hey, why should I leave? You're not even submitting to me, to God. So I have every right to be here until you start submitting to God. And still you put yourself in this submission mode. Man, the devil has the ability to hang around. He won't won't leave until we get this right. And so we have to submit to God first. First and foremost, we've got to submit to him. But see, we have to understand that's how the enemy, right, takes advantage of us. He takes advantage of. And and just so you know, it comes back around in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 10. I mean, second. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians two, verse ten and eleven. It comes back around where this guy ended up repenting, and then what did Paul say? Paul said, "Forgive this guy. Forgive him now." Right? But it, it all comes back to that repentance. So this is how how the enemy takes advantage of us, right? And and we and we get this because you know if if we leave a, a wound open, it gets infected, doesn't it? Just practically. You get a wound somehow, and you leave it wide open or whatever, most likely, 99.9% of the time, it's going to lead to an infection. That's why they always say, you know, go to the doctor, clean it out, you know, put all this antiseptic on it, put all this, wrap it up, hide it, whatever, and stuff like that. Okay, We, we, we understand that. But see, when we do not fix these strongholds in our life, when we leave an open door wide open, it just allows the enemy to infect us. It's just... Kind of, kind of simple, simple thought process. Okay. One other thing that the enemy does, though, too, is in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse fourteen. Okay. Second Corinthians, and this is just to be aware. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse fourteen. Okay. It says this. It says, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Now that word transform is masquerades. Kind of like he puts on that little mask with the little stick and covers his face. Which to me, I never make sense because you can tell who the person is, I think. But, but you know, it kind of is one of those, that idea. He puts it on there and he comes to you and he, he wants to comfort you with these strongholds. Uh, it's okay to get angry. It's okay to feel insecure. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to be this way. It's, it's all right. He tries to comfort us and deceive us with deception to say it's really okay. But then what happens is, is we put our arm around him and say, yeah, that makes me feel so much better. Thank you. And what happens then those things that he says are comfort actually turn into tormentors. They actually turn into the things that torment us to not be able to live the full life that God has for us. And so we have to understand that he's really not the great comforter. Only the Holy Spirit is. Right? Only the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that will speak to us. He'll reveal the heart of the Father to us. He'll give us the understanding. And then you know what? He'll give you the ability to overcome every stronghold in your life. He will. But see, we can't let the enemy deceive us or masquerade that he's the comforter to where we go, oh yeah, come on. Man, that makes me feel so good, thank you. I knew I was right for yelling at that person. I knew my anger, you know, whatever. Whatever it could be. Because, I mean, I I don't know if you ever had that where you've gotten in an argument with somebody or maybe, man, you raised it, man, you just anger or whatever and you walk away and there's a part of you that says, yeah, see, man, they deserve that. I need it. Oh, man, I need it in a load. Yeah, see, they, and then there's a part of you that also goes, yeah, you should have never done that. You didn't show Jesus to them. I mean, have you ever had that happen? Right? I mean, if you've ever been married, right, and I'm just being honest, you sometimes get into arguments that kind of raise the level, raise the roof a little. And then you walk away and there's part of you going, yeah, see, you know, I, man, I told her. Yet inside the Holy Spirit's like, no, you totally misstepped. You need to make this right. You need to make this right. But see, sometimes I, 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 I could grab a hold of the, the enemy and say, yeah, thank you for making me feel better. I was justified. When he's like, no, you weren't justified. The enemy says, no, I mean, the Holy Spirit says, you weren't justified at all. In fact, you were dead wrong but see we have to understand that that's how the enemy operates right in our life now let me give you one more scripture and then we'll wrap it up for today okay give you one more scripture now if you find yourself in any of those strongholds or any of these um, unforgiveness whatever, whatever it is you find yourself right, and you feel like, man, I'm constantly living brokenhearted or bruised, then, you know, we could, let's put a stop to that today, right? And let me give you the scripture. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. It says this, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now, that word crush is shattered or smash, Okay. So it can read, and the God of peace will shatter and smash Satan under your feet shortly. Now, not only is this scripture foreshadowing what is to come to the enemy, right? When Jesus returns, right? Because of Jesus' ultimate triumph, because of the church having authority over the, over, over the enemy. But what, what we have to look at, though, is this word shortly, okay? Because we think shortly, well, that means maybe someday soon, Um, I don't know. Who knows when it will happen. Okay. But the word shortly actually means swiftly. Okay. Like right now. In our current circumstances, that scripture Paul is trying to relate to us that you know what? You have the authority, you have the ability to, to put Satan under your feet and to crush him now in this moment in your life you don't have to wait down the line Oh, at some point in the sweet by and by no you have authority God-given authority, you, uh, authority has been given to you by your relationship with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you and, and, and works in you to put the enemy under your feet And to crush him now. But see, that all depends on what you want to do with it. You know, and I get the picture too, you know, where where it talks about the armor of God. We talked about, you know, the shoes of peace and stuff like that. But, you know, remember the shoes of peace also had these big long spikes on them. And I think about, hey, you'll put them underneath our feet. So we have the ability to trample on what the enemy is wanting to do in our life, taking those spikes and crushing him. But it's that authority that has been given to us today. Not in the sweet by and by, not, you know, somewhere down the road. It is actually something that happens today if we apply it. If we will put it into practice. If we will say, hey, yeah, no, no, today's the day that I am going to change things. Today is the day with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the power of God that's living inside of me, I will no longer be held by these strongholds that have been holding me back. I will no longer let the bruises, let those things, the unforgiveness, all those things that are in my life, I no longer will I let those rule me so that I'm opening doors for the enemy just to come in and do whatever he wants to do. No, today is the day I want to find freedom from that. And so... What I want to do is is have you have you bow your heads for a second as we as we close. And if you would, as your heads bowed, eyes are closed. If 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 you would, ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you, bring back those things, those memories in your mind that he wants to heal today from your past. Whatever those things may be. And that he would remove the pain of that memory. He would remove that spirit that has held you in bondage in that one area or two areas or three areas. I think probably in all of our lives, we could probably say there's at least one thing. So, in an act of faith together, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I submit these memories to you. I ask you to heal me now from all the stress and give me holy forgetfulness. I choose now by an act of my will to forgive, to forget, and to uh, be healed in Jesus' name. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one of these individuals here today. Lord, we've stepped out in faith and we are believing that, Lord, you are the great healer, the great physician that, we've, that we read about in scripture. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Lord, I thank you that in each one of our lives today, as we have met the prayer that we just declared by faith, I thank you that you are casting out every demonic influence in our lives today in, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that we walk in victory every day over these strongholds, over these things the enemy has tried to develop and continue to, to walk, have us walk in. But Lord, you said that you would set the captive free. And so in Jesus' name, I speak. The captive is free. The captive is free in Jesus' name. No longer are they bound by the chains, the bondage of the enemy in certain areas of their life. They walk in total and complete freedom from this moment on. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that when the enemy tries to come back, I thank you, Lord, that you will raise up a a standard within them to fight back and to say, no, I have been set free and I put you under my feet where you belong, Satan, and I crush you immediately, swiftly, Because you have no right and no authority in my life today. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for ministering to us. I thank you that the Holy Spirit always makes up the difference. And we bless you and praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.